fucking deep. Put it in deep. Three on three we go. St. Louis has won five in a row. Here comes Tarasenko. He'll bust in his chance. He scores! It's a hat trick on Star Sunday for Vladimir Tarasenko. And the Blues win it in overtime. You know, get pucks deep, bring the puck deep, put pucks in deep. He's chipping pucks, he's getting pucks deep. Getting a lot of pucks deep. Get pucks deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out, getting pucks deep. Get pucks deep, wear them down. Get pucks in, pucks in. Pucks in deep, puck deep, pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. Pucks in deep, pucks in deep, pucks in deep. Episode 21, we're live and the dynamic duo is back. That's right, I got my mon frere over here across the bar from me. He flew all the way back from Jamaica. Must be exhausted. That joke is so old, but it still works. <laughs> Welcome back. Glad to have you. I was a little lonely last week without you here, Lesko. We got you on the phone, and that was a great, uh, great interview. Hopefully, the listeners enjoyed that. But yeah, welcome back to 211 Market Street. Here we go, episode 21. It's good to be back, man. And I got to tell you, I'm feeling relaxed, refreshed. You know, I was able to get my fix of hockey, make sure I caught most of the games, and, you know, ran into the odd Canadian I could talk a little hockey with. But I was pretty fired up to get on the show, and so much so that I, I might even like lowered my drink intake that day you caught me at a good time i think i was maybe only six deep at that point and of course those were rum concoctions i bet if we're going off of what we spoke about on the phone your your uh vacation drink is the rum mixed sweetie concoction oh yeah i I couldn't agree more with you i was dummy and pina coladas on the beach (laughs) all day man that's perfect so um, yeah, the uh, the call went well. Uh, we had Rich Shapu on last week as well, so thanks again to Rich. I know that uh, he he tunes in, and he said that his wife was listening to the podcast as well, and said that she really enjoyed it. She thought it went well, and she says I have a very professional voice. You sure do. You sure make me look like shit on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> My wife said the same thing when she's heard like little snippets. I see. She's like, you got to work on your radio voice, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> so well, I'm like, yeah, call me smooth as butter. There's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> <laughs> Low praise, but I guess, you know, you need the constructive stuff too. That's good. That's right. Uh, speaking of which, throw us some chirps. Uh, find us on Twitter at PuckPod. Uh, at Coleman42 and at Lesko Adam, uh, join the discussion and help us uh, share the, the Pucks and Deep podcast and become a, a bigger and brighter thing. We've got quite a few uh, regular listeners out there and feedback is is rolling in on a weekly basis, Lesko. So I don't know about you, but episode 21, it, it, it kind of, I kind of can see both sides of the coin where I feel like we've just started and there's so much more to come, but I also feel like we've been doing it forever and we haven't been doing it forever, but it, it feels uh, kind of both ways. I can see both ways there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, things have been rolling along pretty smoothly and I know sometimes I'm chomping at the bit late in the week, especially if there's some breaking news to get back at it. But, uh, I mean, once a week seems to be going pretty smoothly for now and, uh, you know, like we've said on numerous occasions before on this show and off the air as well, you and I could probably talk for six hours straight. Uh, it's a little too much bandwidth, though, so we won't do that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We'll run out of space on our fucking Google Drive or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, you're back from vacay. I thought you were in Cuba, by the way. I, I don't know. There's that's no sandals in Cuba, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. Pays... Uh, 
Because just goes to show you how much I pay attention. So, um, yeah, we'll let you. I'll give you a little recap uh, here, or not a recap, a bit of a preview, I should say, uh, for today's episode. We're going to take you around the boards as usual. We're going to talk about some uh, prospects uh, coming up into the NHL possibly soon, and decisions that they are making. We're going to talk about the Edmonton Oilers again because, my God, how can we not? Uh, we're going to touch on a little bit of the Ducks. We're going to hit the Blackhawks a couple times. We're going to talk a little bit about trades. Um, I'm not really one for speculation. I don't know about you, Lesko. I don't like to speculate on trades. I just like to report them. There's been a couple of mediocre moves that have been made. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that. And I don't know if maybe you might want to touch on some possible trade bait candidates, but I- I'd rather almost just leave that up to fucking TSN. Yeah, well, they spend uh, they spend a lot of their time tra- speculating on trades, and I I always hate when I'm listening to a podcast or a radio show, and there's like, well, maybe they could do him for him and him for them, and again, yeah, you know, it just can go on and on and on, and like, you know, I I love talking hockey as much as the next guy, but speculation can get pretty rampant, especially this time of year in the lead up to the trade deadline. Yeah, absolutely. So then we'll we'll probably take a bit of a breather after we wrap up the first segment with some trade shit. Um, and then we'll come back and we'll, we'll have a little bit of leaf stuff. I don't think we're going to go too, too heavy on the leaf stuff, uh, um, today they, they, they're playing a little bit more like the team we expect, uh, at this point, let's go forming together as a group with the addition of Jake Muzzin and, you know, maybe potential, um, potential additions yet to come to the lineup. So we'll touch a little bit on that. And then I do promise I have fantasy Um, I've got a little bit of fantasy and this week's fantasy is going to be pretty important for you listeners out there. I basically approached my homework looking at the next three weeks. So uh, weeks 18, 19 and 20 in the Yahoo week to week pool, uh, fantasy pool. So I'm looking at uh, those are the three weeks just before playoffs. So if you're a middling team or maybe you're a top tier team and you want to solidify your position moving into the playoffs, I've got a little bit of notes, not too much, uh, just a few notes on some teams that have great schedules and some teams that don't have great schedules over these next three weeks to help you uh, over, you know, just get over that bump uh, for the playoffs coming up in uh, about a month's time. That's Yahoo Fantasy Playoffs, of course. I got nothing for fantasy because I've all but mailed it in for the rest of the year on mine. <laughs> yeah, there's one of mine that I've mailed it in as well. But the thing the thing about my homework today, which was great for me, is it allowed me to further understand the value of my trade chips. I have trade assets on my roster. Of course, as you know, I've spoke about it many times. It is a keeper pool. So you do add that element in where you're you're only allowed to keep players for, for three years. So a guy that is in his final year is obviously just a straight rental. He's going back into the draft regardless of what happens. So you might not be willing to spend a first-round pick on one month, basically, of a player's uh, abilities for your lineup. So those things can really help. And I know it helped me personally. It helped me realize that a couple of the guys I have on my roster are actually worth maybe a little bit more than I even thought they were based on favorable schedules coming home. So we'll touch a little bit about that in segment number two. Very good. So we want to fire it off with some uh, minor league prospects here coming down the pipeline to the NHL? Yeah, let's stay with that because I read the report, so we'll fire it off. Uh, I'll, I'll let you have a go at what you what you think about this, Lesko. But basically, uh, for me, it was Alexis Lafreniere. So Alex Lafreniere, as he's commonly known, 
Um, playing with uh, Ramuski in, in the QMJHL, obviously played for Team Canada uh, this this past season. Um, so he's going to be the consensus first overall, uh, not in this upcoming draft, but the next one. So the the draft in in twenty twenty, Alex Lafreniere is uh, widely regarded as going to be the number one pick. I mean, things can change, um, but he seems to be that high on the list right now. So what he has done is he has elected to remain with Ramuski in the QMJHL next season instead of going overseas and playing in Switzerland or or Sweden or the KHL or one of those leagues against men. So the reason why I think this is interesting as Leaf fans, let's go, that's what we saw with it, with our former first overall pick, Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews elected to go play for Zurich in the Swiss Elite League and was doing fairly well over there against men. Um, you know, the league isn't as super tough and rough uh, as the NHL. I don't think there's any fights over there ever. But basically, uh, the point was you're playing against big boys. You're playing against guys that have been playing hockey for, you know, 20-plus years over there. And I'm interested to hear your take on... Alex Lafreniere's decision to, as reported by Bob McKenzie, by the way, um, his decision to stay and play one more year of junior. I think it's an interesting choice, and I found the story um, interesting as well because I had not uh, heard any speculation, but apparently there was a number of uh, European professional teams um, make pitching offers to him, trying to get him to come over. I imagine, though, as a guy who's been in the, the Q system and, you know, growing up and being a French-Canadian guy, he's pretty comfortable, pretty happy. Um, I would think that he's in a good position to uh, continue to be successful there. I mean, he's already on track to be first overall, and uh, I would think that uh, the team that he plays for as well has probably assured him that they're going to do their best to surround him with good players so that uh, he can find himself in a successful team situation as well uh, coming into next year, hopefully. So do you think that this is something that happens on the regular with these elite-level players, i.e. they get contract offers from overseas? I, th- I think it happens more often than we would hear about. Okay, uh, But I think That's after fair. Austin Matthews did it, um, I would imagine that there might be more teams pursuing actively pursuing these young players saying yeah look austin matthews did it you know they could have former nhlers on their team or you know high level uh coaches like uh matthews had mark crawford over in zurich uh as ways of enticing these guys into potentially um accelerating their development at a pro pro hockey level and also an opportunity to make some good money before you even set foot on nhl ice now i wonder it's it's almost too bad that bob wouldn't have clarified this but i guess it was just actually the the report wasn't bob it was just twitter bob uh bob mckenzie confirming it on twitter so i know you only have a certain amount of characters with which to work on on twitter but does this a does going overseas affect the player's ability to represent their country in the World Junior Championships? I don't believe so because Austin played in... Uh, Matthews did play. Yeah, he played in the World Juniors for U.S., okay. so okay. I don't think it impacts their eligibility. Okay, so that changes my thought. There. I would imagine that's a conversation they would have before any deals were made uh, to go overseas as well because right. you know that that tournament's very important to young players. Okay. All right, so wrapping it up with uh, Alexis Lafreniere. Through 47 games this season, the 17-year-old, 32 goals, 55 assists, sits currently in second place in the QMJHL scoring, three points behind Peter Abandonado of Royun Noranda. 
There's a tongue twister. Uh, and Abandonado has played in eight more games than Lafreniere has. So Lafreniere obviously is standing out in that league, and he's going to continue standing out in that league for at least one more season. Nobody's talking about that other guy. Well, nobody can, first I heard nobody name. can say his name for fuck's <laughs> yeah. sake. Can you blame them? My goodness. Yeah, yeah. Tighten it up, bud. Tighten it up. So I wanted to take time today to give a shout out to our good guy, local guy, Ty Feliber, who um, actually reached 50 goals uh, a couple of weeks ago now, I believe, uh, on home ice for the 67s. Uh, right now, he's got 53 goals in 54 games. Uh, he's one of the leading scorers in the OHL currently. Uh, so he's uh, 20 years old. Uh, he's passed over in the draft a couple times. Uh, he played a little bit in Pembroke, I believe, before he went up to Saginaw because he was he was a high draft pick in the OHL. I yeah, believe. that's right. He he only played a handful of games with the Kings. That's right. Kings. That's right. Yeah, and he so he's um, had quite a lot of experience at the uh, OHL level, but really seems to have kind of exploded uh this past year for the 67s who look like they're gearing up for a memorial cup run so i just wanted to mention that i've actually been meaning to bring it up for the last couple of weeks because it's a really cool story and um some leaf fans might be familiar with him as he was uh, an invite to uh, leafs training camp a couple of years ago uh it, it didn't actually um come to anything a contract or any uh any uh, pro time or anything like that. But uh, he's been on NHL teams radars for a while. Now, another reason why I wanted to bring this up is because while I was uh, on my trip, I saw a headline saying that he was about to get signed by Dallas. Oh, yeah, that made its way around Pembroke and surrounding area. Yeah, there was a a report from one of the uh, athletic beat writers for Dallas that was saying that he was all but a done deal, that he was going to sign with Dallas. Now, there was talk of, I think, upwards of 20 teams that were actively pursuing him. I had asked a couple of well-placed local sources that that are closer to the guy to find out kind of what what was going on with his his uh you know when it uh i if i was trying to find out if it's a question of if or when he was going to sign a deal and it was basically a matter of when by the sounds of things yeah yeah Um, and i wonder if that was something that would happen in season or if it's something that might happen and not get announced till later but from the sounds of things perhaps dallas is a front runner but at this point since nothing's been confirmed you have to think that if that story even leaked out there somehow, that teams are going to be calling even more frequently on this kid, right? I mean, like that was released, that story was released on the second. And we've heard nothing about it since. Well over a week ago. I yeah. mean, there, there's got to be some some form of confirmation. And, you know, like I like I just said on the pod earlier here, uh, I don't, I don't like the whole speculation thing. I know that that's what we're in. We're, we're kind of, I guess we're in the media here doing the podcast. So, Half of our job, I guess, is speculation. But I, I just like to talk about what I see and what happens. You know, you talk about suspensions, you talk about trades. I like reacting to those things and giving the listeners our opinions on what we think happened, not what we fucking think is going to happen. Which is why you were so annoyed with the Nylander thing, and I, yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agreed the whole time. But I mean, like, come on, we're big Leaf fans. We got a fucking podcast. We got to talk about William Nylander when he's when he's in the news. So for this one, I don't want to get into it too too much, but. You know, basically what I understood was that it was still in the works. There were, like you said, there were multiple offers and Ty Feliber was uh, making his decision as to where he wants to go uh, for the best of himself, for the best of his family. Uh, I don't know if he maybe wants to stay local. Maybe Dallas is a little far away. You know, maybe he wants to be a little more local if possible. And if there's so many teams out there throwing offers, 
Well, then one of them's got to be closer than that. So if it's a regional thing, maybe that's uh, maybe that's something to consider. Also, he wants to put himself in a position to succeed. He wants to sign with his team that's going to maybe rely on some some goal scoring. Like, why would you sign a deal with a team who just thinks you're going to be a decent mid-level prospect and they'll bury you in the fucking minors and then that's your career versus another team that might need some scoring punch and might be able to get it as soon as next season from you. Maybe you can crack that lineup with a great camp. So there's a lot of things to be considered there for Ty. I think he's taking his time and using it using it wisely. And so he should. I mean, this is going to be a big choice for him to make, and it sounds like he's got lots of options. So, you know, good for him. I'm glad he's having an incredible year, and it's good. It's always good to see a local success story. So we wish him all the best here from the Pucks in Deep, and uh, can't wait to be reporting on a contract hopefully soon. Maybe we can get him to break the news to us on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, man, whenever you're uh, making your decision, Ty, Give us a call here on the Pucks and D podcast and we'll have you on and you can break the fucking news. I would like to get in touch with this dude from The Athletic, though, to find out. Sean like, Shapiro. Yeah, like, give me some source info on that because I don't know if he's come out with anything since to no. be like when when may, he may have been challenged on this and he might have also covered his ass by saying like, you know, oh, they, they are, are going to sign a contract. It just hasn't been signed, which is true, I guess. Sure. But a certain degree. It but could be true. Yeah. I don't know. It, well, like I said, we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. So one more thing on Ty Felber. 53 goals in 54 games this year. He's literally a goal a game player. That's outstanding. And I wanted to bring up one last point here. A few years ago, probably, geez, I don't know. I think he was playing with the Lumber Kings uh, when this happened, which would be probably five or six years ago. 2013, 2014, maybe. Super Bowl Sunday, we do uh, outdoor hockey. I think you've been there. Oh, yeah, the Alice Shinny. The Alice Shinny on Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, I was playing uh, goaltender. That was back when I actually first started really dabbling out in goalie. And uh, I didn't even really know who this guy was, um, but apparently he was just a sick player. They were like, oh, yeah, yeah, Ty Felber. And I know some Felibers from out past Eganville. So I like, I figured, obviously, that's part of the family and whatnot. This guy's just unreal coming in, sniping pucks fucking everywhere. And I made the sickest glove save on him, man, like a push post to post. And he went down on one knee for the one-timer like a – like old Stamco. So yeah, I think yeah. he's left-handed though. Yeah, he's left-handed. So he went, you know, he went down on one knee and took the took the one timer and I was already spread out on my front and put the glove up and fucking just robbed him and he went he went ballistic over. It came over and he's like, "Man, that was the sickest save I've ever seen." So the reason why the story is funny is because the next weekend, I believe it was the next weekend, whatever, like very soon thereafter, my sister messages me. She's out at like a stag and doe in Eganville dancing on the dance floor, having a good time. Someone they know is getting married, whatever. And fucking Ty runs up to her and goes, are you Josh Coleman's sister? And she's like, yeah, why? And he's like, your brother made the most ridiculous glove save on me like a week ago <laughs> on the ODR. It was absolutely insane. And then she's texting me, telling me the story about how he ran oh, up yeah. to her and told her about a save that I made. And I'm like, oh, I'm fucking famous. Big deal. <laughs> Big ODR hero out here in Alex. Gotta stop. Well, gotta, well, you probably won for eight on his shots that night too. <laughs> well, the only thing I remember was the save. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't remember all the ones he ripped by. It. But apparently that's all he remembered too. So I thought that was pretty funny and... Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it. I'll take what I can get, and I will take that claim to fame. That'll be my claim to fame if Ty makes it to the NHL. As soon as he scores his first NHL goal, I'll be like, I would have had it. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, so what's going on in Edmonton? They uh, shades of uh, pre Shanahan Leafs stuff going on there. A couple jerseys getting tossed. I saw some waffles out at the game the other day too. Really? Somebody busted out the waffles. Chuck, I I did not see the Chuck waffles. Chucking egos. I did not see the waffles. <laughs> I did see the jersey. Um, I did see the jerseys go on, and that was. That was really, really poor, man. I mean, like they they had a two one lead, I believe it was a two one lead um, in into the third period, a chance to hang on against the Chicago Blackhawks. Now I understand that Chicago Blackhawks are coming on strong, but I mean, in the span of three minutes, they went from being up two one to down four two. So, I mean, I don't even understand how that how that happens. I mean, you got three goals in like three minutes. And then all of a sudden, it blows up even further and ends up being 6-2 for Chicago in what I think was the epitome of the Oilers' season this year. I think looking at the standings as well, it's it might be starting to set in. Um, I think around the room for sure and among the fan base, uh, obviously the, we've talked about the families, uh, fan base at length and how they're clearly fed up with kind of the shenanigans that's been going on there for a number of years now. Uh, I, I saw that presser with uh, Hitch after the game on Saturday, I believe it was, and wow, did he look dejected and defeated. I mean, and he, he gave those quotes about, you know, guys not buying in or the culture and stuff. And, you know, here we are once again talking about the Oilers' culture, the Oilers' culture. I mean, they've been talking about culture issues for as long as I can remember now. It's so been a long time. We keep coming to the same the same issues, and he's he's having that same presser that numerous Oilers coaches have had, where they're just almost throwing their hands up, being like, "I don't know what to do with these guys." Something but, in the water. <laughs> right back to what what uh, Bobby Nick said about it, right? Like, well, I, I think that's where the problem lay for me. It's Bob Nicholson. He's got to go. Everybody's got to go. I don't know if fucking Kevin Lowe is still involved. No, he, they're all still there. That's go. the thing. I'm, the old boys club has got to get fucking disbanded. The boys are still disbanded. there. And I don't see that ever changing because they're all buddy-buddy with billionaire Cates, right? And he's he's got to be ultimately calling a lot of the shots there if there's no real change internally. It's all on Daryl Cates for me. Uh, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. For me, the team is a carbon copy minus McDavid. It's a carbon copy of when the Leafs were just absolute trash. I know that they've done different things. The Leafs pulled in a bunch of guys that were like towards the end of their career and yeah. shit like that. But like when we just when the the pension owned us and no one cared if they won or lost, it was eighteen thousand five hundred and seventy six mm-hmm. people every fucking night. No one cared. It's the same idea right now. I don't know if they're fine with the product. I feel like they know that the product isn't good enough versus when the pension plan owned the Leafs, they probably knew, but they didn't care. I think Edmonton does care. I just don't understand where they go from this point. And we didn't even have McDavid. The Leafs didn't have a guy like McDavid. No, to, they didn't to have rest. to build around. Yeah, we had so. nothing to build around. And, and, and let's go, they didn't have picks either. The Leafs didn't have those first-round picks. They didn't have the Taylor Halls. Yeah. They didn't have the Eberleys and the Nuges and the Yakupovs and the McDavids. Like, what the fuck is going on Right now, there. right now, it's it's really about taking a look at the short term and short term being next year and trying to figure out how they begin to dig themselves out of what uh, Shirelli and the damage Shirelli has done to this organization. Uh, but you know, it, 
it goes back to what we talked about before. McDavid's prime years kind of getting wasted. So you got to think that there's got to be an accelerated plan to to make something happen here to not continue to waste those years. So, bah, well, again, it's a, one of those wait and see because I, I think even, you know, talking to some hardcore Oilers fans, they don't know what's going on either. Well, I mean, it starts in goal. What 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 what's going on there? They yeah. they sign Koskinen, a thirty year old, uh, thirty games in his life in the NHL, four and a half million a I'll season. Still, I still don't get that deal at all. It doesn't make any sense to me. Colin Delia just signed for a buck, for a fucking mill. Yeah, that's a nice little pickup uh, for Chicago. And I kind of jumped the I gun on it. I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know a whole lot about the kid, and I haven't even seen him play, to, to be honest with you. Was said 14, uh, 14 starts, I think. Uh, yeah. We had yeah, you're down right. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, sure. You know, uh, it's better than chucking a bunch of money at Scott Darling like they well, passed up on a couple of years ago, right? D- Delia should fire his agent for not getting him the Koskinen getting deal. Getting him the Koskinen deal. <laughs> I mean, at least he should have got 2.25 <laughs> because he has literally half of Koskinen's experience. Koskinen's got like 34 games in the NHL yeah. and Delia has 15 or whatever, 14. Yeah. So he's got half. So he should have got at least, at least two mil. No, Delia's like, I know what's going on. I know what I have to do. Three years, one mil, bring it on. I mean, that's a great deal. That's a great deal for Chicago for a guy that's looked pretty good so far, but you can't really bank on him. Like, what the fuck is Shirelli doing banking on Koskinen? And what they're just gonna like let they're just gonna let Talbot go to the breeze? Sounds they're gonna make like a move it, on that, or I does mean, anybody look want how, him? Look how quickly they gave up on a guy like Devin Dubnik, right? They're <sighs> get, giving up on Talbot, no problem. And I bet you if. You know, things don't go their way next year, which I could see because the team in front of them isn't good. They'll probably send Koskinen off to the off to the win too. I'd say send Talbot back to the island, but we saw what they've got in the fucking nets coming up in yeah, the future. They're doing just fine. Gorgiev or Georgiev or however the hell you say it. What a fucking showstopper I know. that was. Put on a hell of a performance last night. I, I heard the guys on the radio today. Now I I'm sure that they're saying you know, recently, recently the Leafs should shoot the puck on the power play, but they failed to mention that we got like twenty six fucking rips on the power play. It last was like night. twenty power play shots in that game. Oh, dude, the twenty six. Yeah, I'm yeah. telling you, like <laughs> it was absolutely insane. It was insane. We were shooting the puck from fucking everywhere, and I don't really know if you can if you can fault anybody on a game like that when realistically you just run into an absolutely hot goaltender. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, anyway, we'll we'll get a little more into that later on because that's uh, for the Leaf Hour and talk about all that shit that went on last night and uh, over the course of the weekend. Um, But we do have a former Leaf, I'm not going to say great, but coach uh, in the news recently, and that's our old pal, Mr. Randy Carlisle, finally, finally gets shown the door in Anaheim. Well, again, it's uh, a little bit too little too late, I think. We were asking the Oilers what they were going to do with Shirelli, and we asked that question for like, well, I guess we asked it for like fucking three years, but we we, <laughs> we asked it seriously for like maybe two weeks, three weeks here in this season, and then they finally let him go, and now they're on the outside looking in. We asked Philly what they were going to do with their situation. They waited too long, and now they're charging, but they're still on the outside looking in. Now we've got Anaheim. 
if they didn't buy equity in the standings by winning like fucking, I don't even know what it was. I think they won like 16 out of 19 or something like that. They, they, they didn't quite do 10 in a row, mm-hmm. but they did two extended streaks with yeah. just a couple losses in there. They waited way too long to make a change. I mean, they've been Absolutely. calling for Randy's head for fucking a month now, and the guys just aren't responding. Raquel, garbage. I have him in fantasy. I'm fucking dropping him tonight. Gets laugh. I don't know. Perry hasn't been around. It's just been a real fucking shit show. And I feel bad for John Gibson, who's now day-to-day with an upper body injury after getting fucking smoked by his own teammate after he gets a goal scored on him. That's just another, another rough go for them. And that, uh, that Canadian road trip they had could be go down. as like one of the worst I've ever seen. Got dummied by Winnipeg, Ottawa, and Toronto. (laughs) Significant scores. It's true. And like Gibson got pulled, what, three games in a row, I think it was. Yeah. And just, uh, just a bloodbath for, uh, for Anaheim. And, you know, a lot of people were calling for Carlisle pretty early in the season, but because you know Gibson's play was so strong, he was masking the issues that they had. So you know, I think as uh, from a management standpoint, they're like, "Oh, we can ride this out. We'll get our guys back." But you know, they're just they're just too old. They're too slow. And Carlisle style hockey, trademark whatever you know, whatever however you'd like to describe that, has been historically dated for the way the game is played now. And it's it's been obvious. I think a lot of people tripped the higher rate out the gate. And, you know, they still made the playoffs last year and I think the year before that and whatever. But at the end of the day, you got to move your team into the future. And I know there's loyalty and familiarity with a guy like Carlisle, but uh, Bob Murray's really got some soul searching to do. And, and it's interesting that he's taking over the interim very, coach. Very. So he can really get a up-close look and diagnose what's, what needs to be done from a personnel standpoint to carry them into the future? Because right now things are looking bleak and they look like they could bottom out. But who gives him a hand with that? Because Bob Murray, I don't even, I don't think he's coached in the NHL. Correct me if I'm wrong there. I don't think he has spent time as a head coach. I believe that Bob Murray has been in an exec level uh, throughout his time. And I mean, one of us can pull up a Wikipedia and confirm that. But the point of my statement is that we don't hear about this guy in terms of coaching ever. So how is how is he the new bench boss who, let's be honest, what are they, eight points out? They were literally just five points out like 48 hours ago. So you write the ship. It, it it's I guess it's possible, even though I don't think it is because when I'm doing my fantasy notes, I had... Anaheim as one of the lottery teams. So yeah. I, I clearly don't believe in it. But the point is, is that's me, Josh Coleman, on the fucking Pucks and Deep podcast thinking that. Getzlaff and Perry and, and Murray and Gibson and all those guys out there, okay, they believe that there's still something there and they can they can salvage. They had a phenomenal run earlier in the season. Why can't they do replicate that? I think, like, like I said earlier, it was more on the back of a strong goaltending of John Gibson. And it's just... Um, the play and what we saw from them lately is more of an accurate reflection of what that team is. And just because you're, you know, a few points out of the playoff spot doesn't mean you're, you know, could just as easily be a few points in a playoff spot. And even if you were, you still have to take a hard look at what you actually have and where you're going in the future. And I think, you know, I, I looked up quickly there. Bob Murray was always an, an executive at the NHL level post playing career. No coach. So I, I figure in that situation, he's going to be more of a figurehead leadership type guy. Well, the, the assistant coaches figure out the X's and O's and, uh, 
I, I, I heard uh, briefly on the radio the other day that they expect that uh, the one of the front runners for the jobs is uh, one Dallas Eakins, who we haven't seen in the NHL in a number of years, who is currently the head foot coach of their AHL affiliate. I heard, jeez, uh, well, it must have been on the radio. It's pretty much the only thing I really tune into as I'm driving around. But I think I heard them say something along the lines of the like that they didn't necessarily want to rush him up to the NHL, which I thought was an interesting uh, was an interesting thing to report. Like the coaches develop like players do in in the minors, uh, and then and then having uh, you know a, a, um, a vision, I guess I should say, excuse me, to bring that coach up to the NHL level when he is ready. I think what they want as well is, is not necessarily is Dallas Aikens ready to be an NHL coach. I'm sure that he is. I think the team's not ready for a new coach yet because. Again, it's taking a hard look at the assets you have. What kind of moves are they going to make in the lead up to the deadline? Because this change, the odds are this team's going to go through a lot of change uh, leading up to the deadline, and especially in the off season to re re um, kind of reestablish themselves for next year. So you want to make sure that any coach that you have gets a, fr- a kind of a clean slate, a slate, a fresh chance at a team that's uh, that has an opportunity to actually do something instead of a team that's kind of gun him for the bottom and start selling it's it's a it's a shitty situation it's like the horror check situation when randy was fired from the leafs a number yeah. of years ago <laughs> randy they, again they put him on a on a on the titanic after it hit the iceberg basically <laughs> like here you go bud like, here's a life jacket have a good time so i mean that's and we saw what happened to horror check he hasn't been an uh an nhl coach since then and iceberg <laughs> right ahead yeah i like, mean it's, oh. it's a it's a shit gig to come in in a shit situation so it's like it's like when you're fucking gaming on battlefield and you're like why can't i fucking spawn on you and then you spawn on your buddy and you get owned you get immediately owned, shot in the face and you're like oh for fuck's sakes yeah. man like i followed you into the <laughs> pits of hell yeah exactly so there's one more thing on the on the anaheim stretch outscored 20 23 to 5 against the jets leafs canadians and sends as you eloquently pointed out earlier reason why i'm bringing this up again did you or did you didn't see the honeymoon couple oh yeah the one that went on the road trip okay. like to follow them around they, and they they followed Jesus. them around okay they followed them four fucking cities across canada yeah okay we're not just talking about like leafs another team in toronto like no, no. like a thousand they went all the way there. across the country and saw four games they saw barely a goal per game for their team and what is what does duthie do he goes out and gets them a fucking four-night trip Boom. with Turks. Turks and Caicos. Like, you know how expensive it is to go there? It's insane. Man. Well, uh, yeah, you're right. Duffy says, my friends at at uh, Turks and Caicos want to give this couple four free nights for their pain and suffering. And that is why Duffy is a legend right Yeah, there. Duffy he is an Go Just go legend. getting free nights to resorts and Turks. Like, that's unreal. And then they took a little photo, a little snapshot of the two of them, and it says, thanks, Waimara. Waimara? Waimara? I guess that's the name of the resort. Um, you know, maybe a little uh, maybe a little head nod to James Duffy there for hooking you up. But nice one for Duffy. Uh, re- there was the resort in Turks and Caicos says, the pleasure is all ours. So... Pretty nice. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess they probably had fun anyway. Let's go. I, I, I don't know. Would you have fun? I would probably. Yeah, have fun. Pissed, but, but geez, like, give, given the money, there's not a lot of return on investment for the money you spent in terms of. Uh, let's hopefully they entertain you for a little bit. I mean, I guess you got to see some good hockey teams play. It just wasn't yours. <laughs> <laughs> the other teams were real good. Yeah. Oh, okay. Speaking of real good, uh, Patrick Kane. Yeah. How about that? 
But there was a good buy low fantasy cat <sighs> candidate in the off season or in the early in the season. Early. Uh, right now he's second in NHL scoring. He's on an absolute heater right now. Uh, was he got a 14, 14 game point streak going 14 on? Fourteen gamer, right now. yeah, second longest this season. Yeah, and uh, thirty one points during uh, during that streak. Correct. Yeah, eleven goals, twenty assists. That's unbelievable. And the Hoffman Hoffman seventeen gamer is the longest. Yeah, streak, by he, the way, he's almost putting them on on their back, trying to get them uh, maybe to sneak in the back door of the playoffs. I know they're. They're still a little bit out of it, and I think uh, St. Louis might have something uh, to say about that with the recent run that they're on uh, and have found themselves in a wild-card spot. But, uh, you know, Patrick Kane just kind of proven, like, hey, you know, in case you guys forgot, I'm still one of the best players in the NHL, and, uh, he, you know, he's the type of guy to put a team on their on his back in order to make shit happen out there. You know, it's funny. I mean, there you look at the Western Conference Central Division, they're in last place in the division, but they're tied with Colorado. And um, you look at those two teams in the sportsnet.ca standings page, um, Colorado, their last five dots, all red. And Chicago, their last five dots, all blue, indicating their last five games. So Colorado uh, on a huge heater as far as uh, losing streaks are concerned. And Chicago, as you mentioned, on a heater as far as a winning streak is concerned. And I'm really glad you bring up St. Louis too, because St. Louis is matching uh, Chicago with five blue dots to their, to their own Lesko. So they're on a, on a win streak as well. The blues are uh, Blackhawks, of course, at seven in a row currently um, overall through 56 games played. They're 23, 24 and nine, 22 regulation or overtime victories. And as mentioned, 55 points. So yeah, they're on the outside looking in, but you know, those are the teams, let's go, that you you, you, you got to be afraid of almost, even if you're a, a high-power team, you know, like Tampa, um, you know, or Calgary, even Trap Toronto. games. Trap yeah. games. You yeah. know, you come in there and you're like, okay, we should beat these guys because they're, you know, where they're at in the standings. And you, and then, you know, you catch them when they're hot, though, and they can, they can make a fool of you pretty quick. Uh, one more quick note I did want to mention on the Chicago Blackhawks. Apparently, Corey Crawford hit the ice today for the first time in two months Okay, and said he was feeling pretty good. So there could be some more good news coming for the Blackhawks on the horizon. What about Colin the Real Delia? Oh, yeah, that's what his uh, Twitter handle is. It's is like that the, actually what it is? It's like the real Delia or something like okay. that. Yeah. Okay, well, then that, ma- that makes sense. I had that in the prep earlier. We kind of breezed over. No big deal. Um, but I, tw- I I retweeted the announcement from the Chicago Blackhawks official Twitter, which was, I think, one of the greatest yeah. contract announcements of all time. You know those those gifts where the sunglasses come down and go over top of the eyes? It's like Thug, thug Life. Life. Those are some of my favorite ones. Okay, so yeah. this one is Delia, like, in the net, right? And it uh, it says above, like, you know, uh, the real deal, Colin Delia has announced his contract, $1 million AAV over three years, blah, blah, blah. And then it says, Delia with it? <laughs> like, deal with it? Delia with it? Which is super funny. And the glasses just kind of come down and go over top of his goalie mask. And I don't know. I thought it was great. Head over to uh, the Twitter account, at uh, PuckPod. Um, you'll see the uh, the retweet. So I thought that was I thought that was great, and I mean, obviously it shows that you know they're they're excited about what Delia can bring to the team, and you know I bet you Delia is excited to get a guy like Corey Crawford back into the fold um, as a young goaltender. I believe he's twenty four. I think 
just checking that on DB right now. Yeah, he's 24 years old. So, um, you know, obviously a guy like that, he's impressionable. And but, Corey Crawford's a winner, and he's been he's been there. He's been through it, and he's won uh, championships. So um, good for Delia to, to get some of that mentoring from Corey Crawford, who's hopefully uh, 100% healthy again. Yeah, that's the kind of guy you want to learn from, a guy like Corey Crawford. And this is the age, too, at 24 for a goaltender, where you start to find out whether or not they have the capability of playing at the NHL level, whether it's a backup role or not. So we'll watch that situation closely and see what happens from there. Uh, you want to fire up a few, little bit of trades here? Yeah, we're making good time. We're making great time, actually. We just hit the 40-minute mark, so we've got a little bit of time here. We'll do... Uh, Little uh, shit show on on some trades, and then uh, and then we'll probably uh, we'll probably take a break after that. We'll see how long we go, but not going to bring you all the trades. Just going to bring you uh, up to speed on some of the more significant ones that were made um, February first, uh, and of course ones that we haven't talked about on the show. I mean, obviously we talked at length about the Muzzin acquisition. That was a big trade, um, but around the uh, r- the rest of the league, starting in February, uh, we'll bring you up to speed. So on February first, the uh, Penguins and the Panthers. Swung a significant trade for me, Lesko, I think, so far outside of the Muzzin trade, and maybe even including the Muzzin trade. This one really uh, lights that light bulb above my head. Uh, I'm really high on uh, Nick Bukestad. So I guess I might as well say what the trade was, right? <laughs> it was uh, Nick Bukestad and uh, Jared McCann uh, moving uh, to the Pittsburgh Penguins, and uh, Florida will, well, well, they did receive. Um, Derek Broussard and Riley Shahan. So a two-for-two trade. Um, Florida also receives uh, three draft picks um, from the Penguins. So the Penguins kind of really going for it here. And as we know, Lesko, we see this year in and year out. Jim Rutherford is just a bit of a wizard as far as trades are concerned. He makes good moves. He makes maybe some questionable moves, and we'll see what the future looks like. The cupboards might be a little bare um, if you keep on trading those draft picks away. But, I mean, how can you argue with the success that the Penguins have had? And I really like the addition of a big, hulking centerman in Nick Bukestad. Yeah, and he's, uh, you know, Jim Rutherford, we've mentioned this before, but he is always very aggressive. And why wouldn't you when you got the personnel, like you got 81, you got 87, you got Malkin, you got those guys. You always got to be making a run, swinging for the fences. Um, this is an interesting deal because Derek Broussard was acquired of the trade deadline last year. And I know um, from the sounds of things, it didn't really work out. Uh, you know, he hasn't really thrived in that third line C role uh, as much as they would have liked. So interesting here is they do free up a, a, a little bit of cap space. And they also, um, at the same time, Florida has managed to free up future cap space in that the guys they acquired are pending UFAs. And I guess the sidebar to this story is that um, there were some rumors out there that Florida is really, really gunning for the two big free agents out of, coming out of Columbus and Panarin and Bobrovsky. Okay. So by clearing cap space, by getting rid of uh, abuse guy and McCann are locked up to um, uh, multi-year deals, uh, they're going to have a lot of money coming off the books uh, this summer. Um, and the other speculation that I heard as well was interesting is that they could be looking to flip Derek Broussard once again as uh, uh, many teams were apparently interested interested and you know as a centerman who can play uh you know in your bottom nine uh very versatile player with some offensive upside you know you're speaking about the uh, panthers maybe loading up for the bobrovsky panarin thing they did recently uh, well not they but panarin recently uh fired his agent and has since signed on with the same agent that represents sergey bobrovsky so not necessarily confirming 
that they would be a package deal. But it does definitely open the fucking door. Makes it a little a easier to deal. pull that off. Yeah. yeah, to try and try and get both those guys uh, done at the same time. And uh, I mean, they're two fellow fellow countrymen, so it wouldn't surprise me if they were both interested in uh, finding a, a mutually beneficial home. Well, and here's something. Here's and those something. two guys who could change the face of your hockey Absolutely. team. Absolutely, in one in one foul yeah. swoop of the you pen. You say they go to a team that's kind of middle of the pack, like a Colorado, a Montreal, or where they are um, right now. You know, or or Florida, even <laughs> Florida. Uh, you know, you could you could bring any of those teams and a, for say a fringe playoff team even and turn them into a potential contender. I mean, uh, both those teams I just mentioned have lots of uh, lots of assets, lots of things going for them. What does Columbus um, look like without them? Yeah, uh, not good. Not good. <laughs> it's not good, eh? I mean, they're they're good, but they're not good enough. No, and with, I think I think them. they need to recognize too that this probably isn't their year, and you don't want to lose these guys for nothing. I know. Um, Earlier in the season, the speculation was, uh, from a lot of the, the hockey pundits was, you know, I think they're going to ride this out and go with it, take a chance at it. But you look at the competition in the Eastern Conference, and it just, I just don't think it looks good enough for them. You've got too many other teams to worry about. So one quick tidbit for you on the Bobrovsky-Panarin front. I was reading somewhere, can't remember where, might be fake news, but... Uh, Zaitsev, Nikita Zaitsev for the Toronto Maple Leafs, big friends, good friends with Sergei Bobrovsky. Great friends, close friends apparently with Sergei Bobrovsky. So maybe the Panthers, whom I believe to have some cap space, maybe they're like, hey, you know, we'll take that Zaitsev over here, try and try and woo, try and woo your good buddy over. To, uh, to the Florida Panthers, what say you on that? I mean, the contract is not great, and we would love to move it, well, right? I'll, yeah, I'll throw a woo out there if uh, if somehow we can unload that deal. <laughs> unload that deal? I've been a pretty big defender of his for a little while, but it's just been frustrating to see that kind of how that, that whole thing's turned out. and One good year. And he's a fine he's a fine defenseman, but not at the contract that we currently have him for. One, so. one good year and, and paid for like multiple years yeah. because of it. So one last thing on the uh, on the Bukestad, McCann, Broussard, Shahan trade. I wanted to bring this up because I thought it was hilarious. Bukestad and McCann ended up arriving at PPJ, PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh with like 40 minutes to go. Or something. So they they, they missed everything. Uh, they still had their Florida Panthers bags around their uh, shoulders, and they're expected to play. And they did play. <laughs> oh my! So God. they dropped the bags down. They got ready all like real quick. They were playing the Senators. They still, like I said, they still had the Panthers bags. They got dre- dressed in a real hurry, and they literally came out of the tunnel and stood next to their teammates while the anthem. The anthem. Yeah, while the anthem. Hey were guys, going nice on. to meet you. Yeah, hey, I'm 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 Nick. And what I'm, line am I on? <laughs> yeah, I'm Nick, and I'm huge. Who are my line mates? And this is Jared. He'll fuck <laughs> you up if if uh, if someone comes after me. But I mean, you know, he makes an immediate impact. Plays just over 16 minutes in his uh, in his debut. I'm talking about Bukestad, of course, and gets three apples um, after absolutely rushing to get there. So I don't know if anyone out there had an opportunity maybe to look at a Nick Bukestad in the fantasy world, but probably a good pickup. And uh, once again, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm giving uh, Jim Rutherford the applause on this one because I think it's going to work out really really well for Pittsburgh. They've been struggling lately too, Lesko. Um, if I'm looking at their dots here on Sportsnet standings, I think they've got a few reds. Yeah, they uh, they got a lonely blue dot 
five games ago and then rattled off four consecutive losses to, of course, the Leafs. Yep. Uh, they got shut out by the Hurricanes. Then they lost to the Florida Panthers. Um, and then uh, and then they lose to the Lightning as well. So a bit of a tough schedule for the yeah. Penguins. Uh, see what they can uh, muster up moving forward. They play Edmonton next. That uh, Bukestad deal is a good one for them. Uh, and my first impression was that, uh, you know, I've watched Florida a little bit here and there. Just I like a lot of the players there. And I did have Bukestad at one point in fantasy. Um, a regular fantasy disappointment. And I think a bit of a disappointment for Florida. I think they had higher expectations for him, but it just seems that he was always on the outside of that top six. And because uh, they tried to put him in there on a winger role, but obviously want him to to be that big center. I believe uh, they they always wanted him to be. Uh, now he's not going to have any pressure to play center. I would imagine uh, unless it's in a third line role in um, in Pittsburgh. But if you're playing in the top six, then you're playing with some of the best centers in the NHL. So if you can't do it there, then go home right yeah it's true and it, it does um it begs the the question as to where they're where they're going to ultimately put him moving forward and into the playoffs right because i did check him out on fantasy as you mentioned he's triple eligible right so he can play either side he can play up the middle which is nice and for a big guy like that with that kind of size i mean you put him out there to shield a, a kessel maybe you put him out there to try and dominate a five-on-five game down low below the goal line i don't know um you know, it, it really begs to be seen what, what they're going to do uh, there in Pittsburgh and how they deploy him. But um, would you be scared at this point if you're a Pittsburgh fan uh, with their losing streak and their position in the standings? Or do you think they've, uh, they're second in the wild card? They're, they're really being chased by uh, Carolina specifically and Buffalo. Then there's a bit of a drop-off between Buffalo and Philly. So two, che- two teams nipping at their heels. Um, they do have a game in hand, so... You think they're going to just kind of Pittsburgh it up uh, for the last couple weeks of the season? I I would expect them to round into form, and I know Malkin is just coming off an injury as well. Um, I don't think Penguins fans really should be worried, nor should anybody else about their play. So, How about our old buddy there, Brian Boyle, though, the trade deadline suitcase of recent Yeah, Brian Boyle. On the move again for another second rounder, so holding his value, I see. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Actually, I was laughing at that myself, too. I was like, okay, so inflation didn't hurt Boyle at all. He's still worth a second rounder, so I thought that was all right. Um, Nashville ends up... uh, or sorry, Nashville gets McLeod from the Rangers in a subsequent deal, but New Jersey uh, gets the second round pick for uh, for Brian Boyle. So yeah, he's on the move. Basically, uh, what's he going to be bringing? He's going to be bringing some size. He's going to be bringing some experience to a uh, to a Nashville team that obviously Lesko is yeah. hoping for. A, they're gearing up for a big for a deep run. Yeah, deep run. He's a good guy. Can help you out. He can PK. He can help you out in the dots. Um, big body net front presence. Nothing wrong with that. And Dave Poyle, just like uh, Jim Rutherford, he's very, very active on the trade front. He's not afraid to pull the trigger on moves. I know this is kind of a small one, but again, plays into the same narrative that you're gearing up for a long run. These are the kind of guys you want. And I mean, he can spend some time on the on the power play. I don't know if that's if Brian Boyle is necessarily going to solve their solve their power play issues. But I mean, let's go. They are dead last in the NHL. Shocking, isn't it? Nashville Predators dead last in the NHL at thirteen percent. The Montreal Canadiens are second last, and they're a full half percentage. They're thirteen point five percent. So I mean, Nashville not making any friends uh, on the power play. I don't know if Brian Boyle is really going to help out. Maybe some. Maybe some of that size uh, presence in front of the net. I don't know what they got to do to change that up, but I think maybe uh, there might be another move uh, in David Poyle uh, if he's looking to uh, maybe answer the bell. And I'm looking forward, let's go to the first shoe to drop 
as far as the trade bait board is concerned between Winnipeg and Nashville and to a lesser degree the St. Louis Blues. So if one of those three teams, specifically though the Preds and the and the Jets, if one of those if one of those teams makes a move are you not are you not anticipating that the other team is going to make a an, a move almost immediately to answer? I think it seems likely, but odds are too that they're pursuing the same guys in a lot of situations. So it might leave them at a moment where they're like, "Ah, shit, we missed out on this guy," and especially to your B. number one competitor. So it's always interesting to note what what perhaps their plan B's and who who's the similar type player to fill a sim- similar role. Um, obviously, it's needs based, and I don't think they're always too focused on what's going on, you know, in, in their division or with their rivals. But it does my. It's not going to make them make knee-jerk reactions and bad trades and shit like that, but I think it does, you know, make them perhaps pick up the phone a little quicker or um, you know, might revisit some offers they might have had previously. Yeah, I like that I like that second point, revisiting some offers that they received earlier, maybe beef something up, maybe maybe you got to throw in a fourth as well just to just to make it happen. But mm-hmm. you know where I'm coming from, eh? If if Winnipeg Let's just say that Stone and Duchesne are good examples. Two guys that I guess we're going to find out this week if those guys are sticking around or not. That's a report that I read today that they're, the agent is is uh, throwing together one last uh, meeting or whatever, and they're going to make a decision. But let's just assume, for argument's sake, that those guys say, fuck it, we're out. So if Winnipeg goes up and picks a uh, Mark Stone, well, you think fucking Nashville isn't going to go over there and, and knock on Matt Duchesne's door and get him on board as well? Like, if one of those two teams pulls something off, the other one's got to respond, man, because you got to you, you know that one of those two teams is going to probably go to the final. I know we're getting off into fantasy land. Could you imagine if Nashville ended up with Matt Duchesne and Kyle Turris? Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. Sorry, uh, sorry Ottawa fans. We'll, mo- we'll move on now. Yeah, we'll move on. So a couple other minor ones. I know uh, Habs made a couple additions. Uh, they picked up Dale Weiss. Again. Um, sure, fine. Uh, and then Nate Thompson. So the only thing that made me scratch my head on this a little bit is is this is like a, you know, I've been pumping Berger Vance tires a little bit lately after chirping them probably for a couple of years on some sketchy deals. But, yep. hey, the, yep. team's, the team's doing well. They're right on the Leafs' ass. Uh, they look like they're going to cruise into a playoff spot if this keeps up. But they built this team and had success on speed and skill, and now they've gone and and you know they're not slugs, but they're two not fast guys right. that they picked up to start playing on their fourth line. Well, guys like you know our boy Pekka and uh, some of the younger, faster guys that they've been utilizing on the line are now probably going to see a little more time in the press box in favor of you know a couple of guys with uh, you know overpaid fourth liners essentially. Basically, you're right, and I mean. You know, maybe we'll have to see how they get deployed. I mean, uh, maybe they don't work their way into the lineup on a regular basis. Maybe they split some time in certain games. I mean, at this point, I think that it's smart for the Canadians to acquire some players that can play a heavy game. And I hate saying those fucking cliche things, but it's true. It is true. You need that shit during the playoffs. You need to be able to maybe have a guy sitting up in the press box eating popcorn and if one of your stars gets popped or gets fucked around with or your goalie or something, you best believe that buddy up in the press box, whether it be Dale Weiss or Nate Thompson, chomping on the popcorn are like, I'm going in for yeah. game three and I'm going to fuck you up when I get in there. I've got to assume that it's, it's playoff depth type moves that they're making here and, and nothing more because they it's not like they gave up anything you know straight out of the lineup 
Byron Fraze went the other way, and David Schlemko, who wasn't even playing for them. Right. And then they put uh, Sh- uh, Shapu or Shaput or whatever on the waivers today to make some some room on the back end as well. So Schlemko is a good name. Schlemko is a good <laughs> name. That's like an old school. Like I picture like a guy who played for the North Stars and like wore like a <laughs> an old Coop uh, yeah, uh, Cooper bucket with and, the ear things. Yeah, <laughs> and just drop the mitts like two to three times a game and like I like hot darts in the dressing room. Yeah. That's, another right by Schlemko. Another right by Schlemko. Another yeah. right by Schlemko. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, listen, so I'm with you on the Burrs event thing. I think it's a nice move or a nice couple moves. I do. Um, I think it's recency bias, and I think it's uh, hindsight bias as well because we were all laughing at Burrs event for some shit that he was pulling, uh, you know, in the last couple of years. I still don't think they were great, but like, look at the team now. I mean, the team's yeah. in great shape. It's easier to forgive them when the team's in in good shape right yeah. now, and they might be punching above their weight a little bit. But maybe you know what? Uh, when you build your team around guys like Carey Price and Shea Weber, and then add a lot of speed and skill, I put you've put yourself into a competitive position in today's game. Yeah. So basically, what I what I labeled it as right now is Mark Bergevin is doubling down. So he's made these moves. He had the vision that the team would be somewhere where they are now. Maybe he was a little higher on on his moves than everyone else was. And, of course, that's the way the world works. Uh, You believe what you believe. He believed that they would be here, and they are here. And now he's doubling down, and I like that. And I'd like to see maybe another aggressive move um, by by Mark Bergevin to, uh, to really push things forward at the trade deadline. Well, it's funny because he's made like nothing but kind of like really big trades in the, in the last little while. You big splashes, PK, boy. Pacioretty, trades yeah. like that. So these are kind of like minor additions and it shows that he's got a, a lot of confidence in his current top six if he's not willing to disrupt that by, uh, you know, adding on the depth front instead of trying to add a 20 goal scorer or, you know, a, a top four defenseman or something yeah. like that. So, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of staying the course of the current plan, it looks like, just trying to add a little bit for the playoffs. So I didn't, like I said off the top, uh, we'll wrap up the uh, trade speculation with uh, a couple more points here. Um, you know, off the top, I didn't. I, I said I didn't want to be talking uh, strictly uh, trade bait board. You can go to tsn.ca and and look at their top list of uh, of trade bait players that could be on the move. I wanted to talk about Matt Zuccarello for a moment because I didn't even really. I mean, I guess if I would have really thought about it, Lesko, I probably would have said, yeah, no, he's only played in New York. But for some reason, I just had no idea that this guy's got over 500 games for the New York Rangers, and that's it, the New York Rangers alone. So, you know, kind of, I'm bleeding for the guy, man. I'm bleeding for the guy because I don't think that this is a guy that really wants to be moved, but do you think he's going to be upset about getting traded to a goddamn contender? And being in a top six role and being able to play in the playoffs, I think he'll forget about New York in a New York minute. Well, and I think if you know having an opportunity, and he had he had a good run with the uh, the Rangers. He was with them when they were predominantly good for the most part when they had a couple deep runs. So I, I think some excitement comes with uh, jumping on a contender towards the uh, towards the end of the season. The guy's going to be a UFA in the summer anyway, so he can go back to New York if he wants. Uh, he true. can sign wherever he wants, and this is his chance to get paid of course so you're you know you're only going to raise your stock i would think if you uh you know you go to a contender and go on a deep run you know it's funny and maybe there's been a uh, meeting between management and his agents or maybe himself because i find it maybe a little strange i mean maybe i'm just you know this is just a conspiracy theorist in me but he's fucking killing it right now i mean he's been like 
He's been like 235th rank in Yahoo Fantasy all fucking year. And now all of a sudden in like in the last 14 days, last 30 days in Yahoo, he's like, boom, top 50, top 40. Like the guy's just killing it right now. 18 points in his last 13 games, 31 years old. I mean, he's playing some of the, some of the best hockey of the season for himself right now. And selflessly, I wonder if it's a little bit of extra motivation to help the Rangers try and get something good back for him. So I'm going to play my fucking heart out here and get my points, get my cookies when they're available, get traded to a contender, maybe help them win, maybe not, and then come right back at the end of the season. Well, and he's the type of guy, too. I figured there'd be a high, high level of interest in adding a player like him. He's, I figured, one of the better players available. Um, if he is, in fact, available in the lead-up to the deadline, we have no reason to believe he's not. And, you know, at a $4.5 million uh, cap hit for what he can bring and the offense he can bring, you know, uh, he would be a home run for any team that could add him. I think so. And, I mean, obviously not a guy of uh, big stature or anything, but... He's kind of a clutch player too. If I, I don't, you know, I don't really watch a ton of Rangers games. Lesko, I'm sure you're the same. But I do see the odd uh, Ranger game. I, I really like. Uh, no, he's a big stage player, and I mean, you got to yeah. be to be a top liner in New York, and he's proven that he he's one of those guys. I catch a little more Ranger games than other teams, be, mainly because of my love for Kenny Alberts, the broadcaster. Oh, the broadcaster, yeah. yeah. I think he's fantastic. Him and John Forsland are two of my current favorites in the league. So anyhow, uh, enough about broadcasters. We will be right back after a quick break. We're going to take a uh, fiver, and then we're going to come back with some leaf talk and wrap the show up with some fantasy. So don't go away. All right, we're back here on the Pucks and Deep podcast. Josh Coleman, Adam Lesko here. On February 11th, it's a Monday recording, and I guess that's what we're going to stick with. Hey, eh? Lesko, moving forward, the Monday record. We already talked about that. We'll try the Monday record system. The only time it might catch up on me is when you have one of those real rowdy weekends. You get one of those two-day hangovers. I realize <laughs> that's that's part of being like 30 is that that can happen to you now. My goodness, we're just <laughs> tailoring the schedule around your drinking habits, basically. <laughs> Pucks in uh, deep podcast, two cubes shaken, not stirred, for the uh, for the the drunkard here across the bar from me. Well, you shouldn't have had to have us record at a bar every week. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. I didn't. Uh, I didn't even stock my fridge for you, but I could have given you some nice cold. Oh, did I ever stock awesome. up on the duty free on the way back though? Oh, what'd you get? Oh, we got some bar stock, man. We got yeah. uh, some Johnny Walker, Black Label, uh, Nor- uh, Northern Harvest Crown Royal, uh, bottle of Grey Goose. What else we got? Wow, uh, what, what big, didn't you big get? Big bottle of gin. It was like a hundred bucks for all that wow, shit. Good it's, stuff. it's like half the fucking price you pay in the LC. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whenever I come back, uh, when I travel down to Florida, which is which is yearly, unfortunately it won't be this year. But um, yeah, I, I always stop in there, and I usually I'm good for uh, a case of Canadian and a uh, bottle of Gibson's. That's it. That's that's perfect. It's perfect for me. It's perfect for the ODR. I bring a couple pints. Uh, bring a flask of uh, whiskey, and then it warms the blood. For those real cold days out on Alice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so here we go. We're back, and uh, we're talking outside about uh, 
about the podcast, where we're where we're hoping to go, and you know our our listens, our statistics. They're they're pretty they're pretty solid. Uh, let's go. But I think it uh, goes without saying that we're always hoping that you listeners out there will uh, spread the word. Because if you're enjoying it, then obviously you must know someone else that would enjoy it. I.e., I'm I'm assuming that you have friends. Everybody has friends. I'm Everybody assuming. has friends. Come on. I have 576 Facebook friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was a total random number. I don't know how many I have. But yeah, basically we're saying spread the word. Um, get us out there because uh, we're we're not slowing down anytime soon. Let's go. I think uh, on the wish list for me is is a, uh, a better microphone. I don't really think there's any real issue with this microphone, but I do want a nice shiny sexy one like yours yours it's is nice not about there. the microphone it's all about the man behind the microphone oh, okay i thought <laughs> you're gonna say it's not the microphone it's the knob on the end of it <laughs> that's even better <laughs> all right so right into uh some leaf talk bro where where you want to go you were able to catch some of those games you said down uh down south uh, yeah thankfully we were actually sitting at dinner in this fancy like french style restaurant and i t- asked my mom sir i was like do you care if i like take the ipad right down there and we'll throw on the game and i think that was uh the sense game leafs and sense on wednesday night so we, we actually had it at the table the dinner table or towards the end of our meal i think when it came on uh stream the game from there uh it's doing the same thing like in the sports bar there because i could only get the saturday night game uh in the in the sports bar on the uh on the resort okay so we actually just brought an ipad to the bar to stream the game yeah so. and there'd be wi-fi everywhere yeah, Wi-Fi all over those places. So. And how was it? If you don't mind me d- digging in, like, how was the actual Wi-Fi? Like, were, were, were the streams golden? Or? Well, it was good enough. I called you through Facebook chat to record. Oh, yeah, good and point. The streams were fine. I mean, uh, there's some real dedicated legal streamers out there who uh, I have been thanking these guys for years. <laughs> and true. Sometimes they do, they do it better than the actual broadcasters do. They so. do God's work. Yeah, it's God's work right there, my man. No doubt. So, yeah, the Leafs uh, coming off a loss recently to the Rangers in which they were absolutely just stymied. Uh, by Gorgiev. Georg, uh, how do you say it? Gorgiev? I think it was... No, I, no, I shouldn't even try. Gorgiev. <laughs> I, I, there is a soft G in there. There's a soft G? I think so. Gorgiev. I remember when I heard them say his name last night, and they were talking about all night, so I feel like I should remember how to pronounce it. Me too. It. Yeah, me too. But uh, I was surprised at how it was pronounced, and that's probably why I can't remember. But no, he was outstanding. I could tell uh, from the early onslaught the Leafs put on the Rangers in the first period, namely on the new look power play. Uh, he looked like he was dialed in, dialed in the zone. I missed, uh, well, I missed the entire game. Um, I got home with like four minutes to go. Which was when I tuned out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't great. He didn't miss anything. Um, I guess I missed everything though because uh, I, I thought there had to have been some sort of glitch in the system when I, I was at the Lumber Kings game doing the broadcast, right? And uh, so intermission rolls around. I'm obviously, I, I whip out the phone. I'm looking and I'm like, what? Like, it says we have 21 shots. That was halfway through the game. Yeah. Well, no, that was in the first. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it said we had 21 so we shots. Had 30, I think we had 30 halfway through the game because I remember at one point they were on track for like 60. And they and the Rangers had five, and it was 2-1. Two, 2-1 one. Two, one Rangers, yeah. And I'm like, what is this, a fucking game of NHL 12 right yeah. now where I'm just dummying the guy? I have shots from everywhere, and I can't score. And uh, I guess that's basically what it was. I mean, Leafs were absolutely dominant in the first 40. Like I said, I didn't actually catch any of the game, but I, I saw some replays. I was listening to it a little bit when I could. And, uh, 
it, it just looked like one of those nights that it just wasn't going to be our game. I don't think you can fault uh, like a, a goaltending performance of Garrett Sparks. To be honest with you, the goals that I saw, I didn't really like any of them. Um, but I'm not uh, I'm not saying that it's a goaltender's loss. It's a obviously a team's loss, and as a matter of fact, it's a goaltender win 200 feet down the ice in uh, in Georgia. They couldn't uh, they couldn't buy one. I mean they. So they ham- hammered them on the power play, I think, in the first the first period when first power play, I believe, they got in the game. Uh, they got something like eight shots. Um, some people were saying there was some unusual things going on with the stat counters. Like there was like the Leafs recorded 13 shots in an 11-second span. So they thought maybe they were being a little generous to the goaltender or uh, to the Leafs maybe oh, in, in that situation. But okay. uh, nonetheless, um, I really liked what I saw from the Leafs' power play despite it not uh, finding the back of the net last night. Now, say they didn't make any personnel changes on the first unit. However, what they did was they changed the play. And the play was they had uh, JT position kind of back door side of the net um Less, instead of in the high slot or in, in front of the net and had Kadri come in a little bit lower um, just below the hash marks. Matthews in the same position, Myers same position, Riley same position. But what it did was it opened up multiple shooting options. So Tavares had a shot opportunities from that side of the net backdoor position, but he also had an opportunity to hit Matthews on the fly coming in backdoor other side. Okay, coming yeah. in tight or from the higher um, higher around the circle. So they were generating shots from both places. And I, I distinctly remember one early in the game where Tavares slid one across the crease to Matthews. Matthews just hit it off the side of the net. Right. And so it almost it almost worked immediately. So I, I would expect to see more of that in the next uh, coming games. I did see some uh, from some of the highlights uh, what you're talking about. Tavares kind of receiving the puck down low and then he would walk out and he had options at that moment. Now, a couple times I, I saw him take the shot and I think it's just more of an instinctual shot that he takes. It's not going to go in. Um, he doesn't have the angle and he can't get it upstairs that quick because the goalie comes out. But with the goalie actually coming out from the goal line, you now have options. You can move it across if you move it laterally and it's and it works out as a pass. Great. Maybe even it goes off a skate and in. I mean, you see those garbage goals on the power play. And I think teams that are super successful on the power play are not only shooting the puck directly into the net, but they're also getting good breaks of, you know, deflections or caroms off a skate or off a shin pad that unfortunately for the penalty killing team happened to just bounce right in. Yeah, they were definitely on the right track. Um, I was pretty I was pretty pumped to see them change the play and you could tell the caught the Rangers flat footed like they weren't sure what to do and there was a couple of power plays where the Leafs managed to hand them in at least for two minutes at a time, but uh, you know, I, I would imagine the goals are going to come. I think we've all been saying that for a while. So hopefully with the, the tinkering that's gone on, like I said, they opened up multiple shooting lanes and multiple shooting options. And it'll have teams, uh, it, it causes teams to collapse down lower as well, uh, which opens up some uh, some ice on the perimeter if, uh, you know, for guys like Riley Marner and if Matthews, you know, decides to cycle back instead of heading to the back door. Well, Leafs have uh, been scoring more more goals as of late. Lesko uh, coming off a uh, four-win streak uh, in which they scored four times, five times, six times, three times. Um, so that's some pretty good goal, goals output for the Leafs. Dating back to, you know, mid, uh, mid-January, mid you know, they were struggling. It was three goals. It was three goals. Three goals again. Two goals. It was difficult to win games when you're only scoring two or three goals. In a league that we're seeing 
uh, goals are, you know, they're not really at a premium anymore. Um, there's lots of goals out there to be scored. It's not a goaltender's game anymore. Uh, and with the Leafs uh, lighting the lamp, of course, they only got the one uh, last night against the Rangers. So if you take that game and that goaltending performance that they faced out of the equation, uh, they're really starting to, uh, to to turn a corner perhaps. And a guy like Nylander starting to pick it up as well. I see um, you've indicated here in the prep, and I couldn't agree with you anymore. Um, you know, he's really moving his feet out there. He's making a difference. He's pumping his feet all the way through his shots, and we've seen two goals as a result of that, and we used to see a lot of that in the last couple of seasons. He's been a lot more confident lately, which is a really good sign for me uh, because when he's playing confident is is when he's holding onto the puck that extra second, making that extra move when he crosses over the blue line to open up some space. So that's got me pretty excited, and, and I got to hope that this is good, what's going to lead him off that third line because it, we've been waiting for it, right? Matthews. It's been frustrating. Like, get him back with Matthews. Get him back and with that Matthews. brings me to my next point, which is Matthews needs better line mates. I mean, I've had I've had just about enough of Patrick Marleau there. Like, and I'm not saying in general. I'm just saying on Matthews' wing. Okay? Like, I, I think it's we're pretty safe to say, especially given the personnel the Leafs have at their disposal, that Patrick Marleau is better suited in the bottom six. And who I would definitely like to see get much more ice time and somebody who has proven it repeatedly, especially over the last couple months and in the last few games is Andreas Johnson. I mean, that guy is lighting it up. The other night he had four points in 11 minutes of ice time, I believe I mentioned on the last episode. Uh, he scored again last night and all with dragging the goat and Lindholm around the ice with him. <laughs> so let's let's reward good play. I mean, if, if Bob Cock, what he always says, oh, if you're good, you're good to play, then let's let's see that go into action here and, uh, and let's give Matthews someone to play with. And I thought that uh, segment of time, I think it was spanning three or four games they played together earlier in the year, I really liked the... Uh, uh, the chemistry we saw between them. Well, of course, they've developed it over, you know, I guess not two full seasons, but, um, you know, because Matthew spent a lot of time in his rookie year with uh, Hyman and Connor Brown. So let's call it at least one full good r- uh, runaround in the NHL. Uh, and they've developed a, a fantastic chemistry. They're both shooters, but they can both make plays as well. They're both playmaking shooters. Matthews has the size. Matthews, I think, is... Um, for sure on another level as far as his ability to shoot the puck, but Nylander is not that far behind. Matthews sees the game a little bit better than Nylander, and, but they just work really well off yeah. each other. I, I, and I'm fine with Kapanen being there, but Kapanen has been awfully quiet lately. I think he scored his first goal in, what, nine games last night, which was a beauty, by the way. Um, William Nylander as well with an absolute snipe. Um, a very timely one as well that was clutch and really got the Leafs back into the game when they were uh, seemingly frustrated and Against also in response to uh, to another goal. Um, that, yeah, that, game, was huge. that game against Montreal was a fantastic hockey game. Uh, whether you're a fan of both or neither of those teams, uh, it's for me it's really good to see that rivalry, that storied rivalry we always talk about and hype up that really hasn't existed for a long time. 
no, actually they were two ends start of the to spectrum. become something yeah. because they, the Leafs good and the Habs were bad, or the ha- mostly the Habs being good in yes. the last twenty years or so, and Leafs being bad. So to see them both in a similar situation right now and the potential for that playoff series could be first round. Man, like you know, I've got along with Habs fans for years, but that could change quick. Yeah, because I could see both sides turn into <laughs> rabid fucking animals if we Savage. get that playoff series. It's true. You're right about that because. It was difficult to coexist with Sens fans over the last decade because we were shit and they were good. But then, of course, we have the bragging rights over the Senators as far as the history is concerned because of all those playoff matchups that we had in which we won all of them, right? So when they would start talking about how bad the Leafs are historically, then right away we would say things like, well, how's your past against yeah, us, yeah. you know? And how many Cubs have you won in the same time frame? The answer is zero. Yeah, whereas now there's lots of fans of the teams weren't even alive when that shit was going yeah, on. Yeah, right? that's, actually, that's a really good yeah, point, Yeah, that's how long ago that was. So. so, listen, let me ask you one more thing about this lineup here. So, um, with with Janssen playing well and Kapanen, you know, not, I don't know, he's not... He's still generating. Like he's yeah. still creating. Yeah, he's out fast. There. He's yeah. out, he's really utilizing his speed well. Um, so I don't really have too many negative things to say about Kapanen other than it's just not going for him right now. Right. And we have options. It's not like we're other teams in this league where, oh no, we we're Colorado and our number one line isn't doing anything, so we're fucked. Like, and that's exactly what we're seeing in Colorado. But here in Toronto, that's not the case. We can, we have interchangeables. So yeah. why not change a Janssen for a Kapanen straight up and reinsert Tyler Ennis into the lineup over Freddie the Goat or Par Lin, Per Lindholm? Which would you choose in that scenario? Because I have to believe that Ennis is going to be working his way back in real soon. That guy was effective for us and he's been forgotten. Yeah, so he was just uh, activated, I believe, this morning off the IR. So I would expect to see him, uh, you know, crack it back into the lineup sometime soon. Um, I, I'm going to say it's it's got well, it's got to be the goat or, or Lindholm, and um, it might be a toss up really as to who it is. I I almost give the edge to the goat because the goat I gotta give him credit, man. He's so you give him the edge to stay I'm, in. I'm giving him the the the, uh, the edge because. He, even though Parlinum was initially signed to be the fourth line center, has predominantly played the wing this year because I think a Goat's been good enough to stick around, and Babcock loves his big boy fourth line center. Yeah, he does. Yeah, right? he does. So I I got to defer to him, and I think Bob's will do the same. And it'd be good to have Ennis back in the lineup because for a while I forgot he existed. Well, <laughs> well, because if we if we take the Goat off the four C spot and put uh, sixty three in there which is Ennis, now you've got that fourth line has no size. Right. Right? I mean, no size. And I don't know if that's, you know, something that y- you got to have or whatever. You want to play a fucking tough man's game? Like, whatever it is. The point is, those guys are all going to be fucking tiny. Um, and even if you flip Janssen with Kapanen, well, you're not, I think you're losing yeah, inches and there. And Kapanen's got to stay up there too. So I, 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 picture, I picture Connor Brown. It's settling with Connor Brown down there on the fourth, which is obviously an overpaid fourth liner so it wouldn't surprise me if someone was on the trade block right now uh where he could see a better opportunity but that's speculative and i will leave it at that so it wouldn't surprise me that when s comes back in we see a guy like lindholm slot out uh, and we also see some shuffling in in the top nine that brings another guy down jansen up and hopefully nylander up as well man what are we got going on here those are my hands fucking Rubbing them together because I can just feel it coming, man. It's going to be great. We picked the fucking best year ever to start the podcast. 
Yeah, well, it's just, you know, there's tons might be of one for one <laughs> yeah, at the right. end of the podcast. <laughs> then we'll have to do it forever. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Well, why not? Why yeah, not? Yeah, no, they've, they've got a great shot to uh, to make a, a make a good run this year and obviously exciting as hell for us. Um, things are a little, I guess I'm tempering expectations because unlike this time last year, we really don't know where we're going to be in terms of the seeding. Uh, we've got Montreal right there. We've got Boston right there. Uh, so it's not quite as set in stone as, as it was last year. I know last year we were in cruise control for a couple of months, which made for a bit of a boring, yes, it did. boring stretch. Yeah, it did. Uh, the trade deadline being much more interesting this year, I think topic for Leaf fans, because, you know, we have, we've had the Muzzin deal and it wouldn't surprise me. And the stories are out there that they aren't, you know, the phones haven't been turned off yet. They're still out looking around, uh, Possibly, uh, I would think more defensemen could be on the horizon, and I would think uh, they're not closing the book on potentially acquiring more uh, more players up front as well. Uh, you know, and if they didn't do anything, I'd be fine with that. It's not like I'm sitting yeah, here like too. chomping at the bit for a deal. Uh, but I think Dubis recognizes the opportunity they're going to have this year because we could see a much different lineup given the caps uh, implications of these large contracts going to next season. So I wanted to touch on the power play quickly before we move on, um, or I guess I don't know if that if we're going to wrap it up and move on to fantasy or if you have anything left on the Leafs, but the power play currently at 16th, so that's right on the number. You are middle of the pack. You couldn't be any more middle of the pack at 16. The penalty kill, 12th. You ideally would like to bump that up to 9 or 10 so that you could say you're in the top 10 in the penalty kill. And the other thing you want to be able to say is that you're in the top, like well within the top half of the NHL. So you want to be maybe 12th, call the line at 12th or 13th on the power play. Because then the power play is not an issue is what I'm saying. If you're 12th overall in the league, it's not an issue. Mm-hmm. If you're 16th and and down, it's starting to become a an issue if we're talking about a contending team. Right. If we're talking about Carolina trying to make the playoffs – then no, okay, but we're talking about a contending team that hopes to go deep. Yeah. That team can't be 16th. It's the same as Nashville. Nashville is in a huge world of hurt. They cannot be last at 13%. Mm-hmm. Because when the playoffs roll around, it's going to be too goddamn important to go 0 for 5 yeah. in game one. And, and there's two parts of that. So the, the first part being that when you come to the playoffs, our plays are fewer and far between. Uh, you're, you're not going to be as dependent on it. And in the Leafs situation, the power play was so good early in the year and then has been so bad lately. And that's where the stats managed to average out. So we got to think that they're somewhere in between 1st and 16th. Sure, I see what you're you know, saying. You know, like that—that's where the medium should be. If say they close out the year operating at a at a, a more average rate, we'll say, because um, right now we've seen like just a Jekyll Hyde type thing where it's been really yeah. good or really bad, um, and we, we can get a better indication of what to expect for them. I think that uh, thankfully they're not dependent on the power play to win hockey games. Yes, it helps absolutely, and it could yeah, have helped them last night to bury a couple. But they're because right now the Leafs lead the NHL in five on five goals, which is a much more valuable stat than than uh, you know your power play totals because you can be first in the NHL in power play and be not even in a playoff spot, right? Yeah, true. So, but those five on five goals, I guess, at the end of the day, is what uh, what really matter for the Leafs. True. So we'll round off the numbers. Uh, 
just to give you a, a glimpse uh, as to where they are this season. Fourth uh, in goals per game, fourth in the league, goals per game at 3.55. Eighth in the league, goals against at 2.85. So that's pretty, those are pretty solid numbers right there. I and mean, with a strong positive goal differential, yeah. which is very important. Yeah, well in the top 10 there. So, I mean, realistically, all I'm trying to do here, let's go with these stats that I'm seeing on the Sportsnet homepage for the Leafs. I'm just trying to like mold my wrap my mind wrap my mind around the idea that this team has the potential to do it um the schedule coming up is not super frightening it's colorado vegas arizona st louis washington i mean we're not playing tampa we're not playing calgary like we're not playing some of these teams that are like bona fide top top, right? Like we're yeah. playing some teams that are middling. Vegas will be a tough one in their barn. Fuck every one of their games coming. Yeah, I would say Vegas. Barn. Yeah, Vegas and Washington are probably the toughest parts of those uh, of that swing. But other than that, it should be pegging up some wins. Yeah, because one of the main things I wanted to see the Leafs do post All Star break and was turn that corner and stop leaving points on the table when there there should be an easy two last night notwithstanding because that's obviously an example of one of those games but uh i think that yeah, nice little win streak they went on uh after that you know putting a putting together a four uh four game streak is hopefully even indicative of what we're going to see uh th- uh throughout the rest of the year so that they can find find themselves with a nice home ice advantage in playoffs right on well it's going to be fun to see it come home man i mean realistically as i was thinking earlier today uh, as i was driving home from work um we are well past the dog days of the season. I mean, it seems like we were just talking about it. I know it was just a little while ago, but that's now so far in the rearview mirror. I just feel as I was listening to the radio and reading articles, well, it was like what, like twenty some games, yeah, twenty seven games, under, like, under thirty that's to go. go by quick. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we're not looking at the January lulls and the boring parts and the fucking All Star game and whether it was boring or not. Who cares? We are now full steam ahead to the trade deadline. And then after that, baby, it is just fucking playoffs. Gearing up to playoffs. Right around the corner. Yeah. So it's going to be pretty exciting. So do you have anything else for us uh, on the Leafs? Or I, are we... I think that's about it. That's about it. Okay, I so... want to see Montreal and Toronto play in the playoffs. I think I'd like to see that myself as well. <laughs> would I, you I mean, be afraid of them? We would win. <laughs> Leafs would win. I would hope so. And I, I'm not afraid of the Canadians. I'm a little afraid of Carey Price. Yeah. But I just, I just for hockey for the fans and the fact that they mentioned this on on the last broadcast on Saturday night they haven't played in 40 years in the playoffs so you talk about the storied rivalry and all this shit and they haven't played in the playoffs in 40 years because at least we're in the western conference for the longest time right that's oh yeah that's right and then since they've been both in the eastern conference like what I was saying earlier neither of them been good at the same time yeah that's true yeah anyway Interesting. All right, man. So listen, I'm going to ramble on about fantasy here for a couple of minutes. Going to bring the listeners up to speed. So once again, um, if you weren't uh, paying attention earlier, shame on you. Here's what we got going on for you. I got the next three weeks of Yahoo Fantasy mapped out. So it's week 18, 19, and 20. Um, emphasis on week 20. That's the final week before Yahoo Fantasy playoffs begin. So week 20 is the week where if you've got moves left, you got to use them. Uh, if you got roster spots, what are you doing? You got to fill them. If you can drop a goalie and add some points, make sure you go to your league page and and check out the tab uh, called Team Stats. I know a lot of you guys probably just use the Yahoo uh, app on your iPhone, which is fine for doing your rosters and checking your lineup and stuff. 
but you lose all of the desktop capabilities that you have, which is player research, schedule research. Um, you can look at keeper status for players. If you're in a keeper pool, you can look at so much, so many different things. So what I do is I save the desktop version on my phone. I have an iPhone, for example. I just save the link to my homepage um, and it's the same icon actually as the Yahoo Fantasy app. So I just basically use that one instead. Um, works really well. I would recommend that everyone do that uh, for starters. It really helps you on research. So uh, moving right along here, I don't have too, too many notes, but I got a couple of good ones for you. Um, basically, the the worst team, I would say at this point, uh, for schedule reasons is Dallas. Um, they've got nine of their games are on the heavy nights, which is Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. So nine of their 10 remaining home games are on Tuesdays, Thursdays, or Saturdays. So there could be some scheduling conflicts there as far as sitting guys is concerned. Also, their 10 games are split up three at home and seven on the road. So that's a tough schedule for the Dallas Stars. I mean, obviously you got some some high some high quality guys like Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben, for example. Those guys have been a little cold, specifically Ben. But uh, maybe you know you might want to sell high on a guy like that if you can get a draft pick back if you're in a good position and you can maybe let a guy go. Um, that might help you actually in the long run because they got they got a tough schedule. Um, if we're talking about streamlining goaltenders, we're looking at back to backs. And uh, there are four teams that stand out. They all have three back-to-backs. It's Montreal, Philly, Columbus, and St. Louis. So if you have Montreal, Philly, Columbus, or St. Louis, um, you're definitely going to be looking at sharing some starts uh, with the starting goaltender. Alternatively, if you can maybe drop a guy who only gets a few starts every now and then, like a UC Saros or a Laurent Bossois in Winnipeg, um, maybe get rid of those guys and pick up like an Anthony Stolarz or um, who backs up Price? Niemi? Yep. Yeah, so get like a Niemi or a Stolarz, Corpusalo. Um, I'm helping. Jake Allen. Yeah, thanks. That's perfect. <laughs> um, those guys will help you out because there's three backs, uh, three back-to-backs uh, with those teams. Specifically Montreal, two of their back-to-backs happen in week 20. So I'm not going to guarantee two starts for Anthony Niemi. In, uh, in week 20, which is the final week of the regular season, but he'd be a good goaltender to look at uh, for two possible starts, and Montreal obviously is a great team. He salvaged his career in there right now. Like, yeah. He, everyone was like, this guy's gone. Like, he's <laughs> yeah, done, you're right. He's stuck around. You're right. Give and I credit. mean, credit. Resilience. Cre- credit to him is right, man, because that is a fast game they play out there. Yeah. So like he he's obviously taking shots on the rush. Like He's not just getting you know set on the cycle. Oh, point shot. I got it. No, like there's, you know, Montreal is an exciting team this year. They play a lot of North South hockey, man. So credit to Niemi for, uh, for standing strong in, uh, in Montreal. Good guy to look at moving forward. Uh, moving along a couple more notes for you. Um, Sundays. So Sundays, obviously a key matchup. It's the last day of the fantasy week. And it's obviously just a great thing to have players going on Sunday. Um, so the following teams, will play every Sunday from here until the playoffs. And I'll, I'll be bringing you guys up to speed on the playoffs as we get closer to the playoffs, which of course is week 21. Um, so anyway, the following teams play every Sunday from here on out. Minnesota Wild, New York Rangers, Washington Capitals. So those are good players uh, to acquire. I know a guy like uh, Zuccarello is fl- uh, flying around 
on the waiver wire right now. I've been really thinking about picking him up in one of my pools. I'm kind of right up against it for my moves, though, so I don't know what to do. Anyways, um, last big one I have for you, and this is a huge one. Florida Panthers play the Fantasy Week Unicorn, which happens, I believe it happens once a season to a different team where they play five games in one week. So the Florida Panthers, by no... You know, by no result of like canceled games or rescheduled games or anything like that. This is just the actual schedule. Florida Panthers will play five games in week 20 alone. So that's huge. That, again, is the final week before the playoffs begin. So even though Florida's kind of like a, a middling team, if you can pick up guys from the Florida Panthers, even in a second line or a third line power play two role, you're going to be picking up maybe some assists, definitely some, some shots on goal. And depending on what categories you have in your uh, in your leagues, things like blocks, uh, hits, even face-offs. I know some leagues have those stats, which I think are terrible, but to each his own. Um, make sure you're uh, paying attention to which uh, which categories you have. Don't just be blindly picking up guys because I tell you to, which I hope you're not doing anyways. I hope you're just taking the information uh, as it is. And I spend a lot of time working out all these numbers for you guys, and I hope uh, that the listeners are are taking it in. Let's go and I think that's it for uh, for my fantasy. Oh, Vegas. Sorry. Vegas, um, basically all of their home games, I think, except, or all of their games except for one over the next three weeks are at home. So I've been talking about Vegas for a while. They have the best home schedule uh, coming, coming into the regular season. They play uh, a, a ton of games actually against um, lottery teams. Uh, what is it? I believe it's uh, eight. No, eight games. Yeah, eight games at, at home, two on the road. Um, and then they have three games uh, against lottery teams as well. Uh, and they're all at home. So an opportunity maybe for the Vegas Golden Knights to really pump the scoreboard up uh, a couple of home home games. So maybe uh, like I traded for Pacioretty earlier this season and I kind of didn't like it. Now I think I'm going to like it because I think he's going to be uh, at least getting me a lot of shots on goal coming home. And I'll leave it at that fantasy let's go free andreas johnson from the fourth line <laughs> free him from the fourth line so that's i can pick him PSA. up in fantasy that's my psa will, will you tell mike he's still fantasy relevant anyway he's been putting up points <laughs> yeah you're right he's yeah. like second or third and rookie scoring fucking over the last two months he's one of the top players in the nhl wide at five five first five points so you got to go on record and say Tell Mike Babcock that if you promote Andreas Janssen, you'll pick him up in fantasy. Well, I'm sure that'll be the deciding factor. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not in your, maybe not this season for you. You're hurting this year, aren't you? I think I had him at one point when he was playing with Matthews earlier in the year. I had him too. You're right. Yeah, I had. I streamed him for a little bit. I have Zach Hyman on one of my teams right now. Why not? I mean, he's chipping in lately. Got points. I fucking love Hyman and that fight he had. I know. It was like a. Oh. He, he, so he jumped, buddy. Who like ran into Marner like it was a no fault kind of play, but yeah. he's like, nope, that Fuck you. Marner looked kind of hurt and had a boy. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, all right, I love it. So that's a wrap here on the Pucks and Deep Podcast. It's been a great, uh, great show. Glad to have you back. Episode twenty one. Thanks. Rolling, rolling right along. At PuckPod on Twitter, at Coleman forty two, and at Lesko Adam. We thank you for joining, and we'll see you again next week. Same place, same time, Monday night. And we'll be one week closer to the NHL trade deadline. Speculation is abound. <laughs>